like already starting July. We're midway through it. What happened? It just started. I tell you, sometimes I don't know if it just speeds up the older you get or if it's just you got so many things you don't notice. But I'll tell you this much. I have been like swamped and I feel like the summer's almost, you know, over and I haven't even got anything done that I wanted to get done. And of course, we dead of winter. It's always crazy. But anyway, turn your, turn your hymn books to page number 305. Yield not to temptation. Let's stand together as we sing page number 305. number one, yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin, each victory will help you, some other to win, find manfully onward, dark passions subdue, look ever to Jesus, he will carry you through, ask the Savior to help you, come and stream. He is willing to aid you. He will carry you through. Shine evil companions, bad language disdain. God's name hold in reverence, nor take it in vain. Be thoughtful and earnest, kind-hearted and true. Look ever to Jesus. He will carry you through. Ask the Savior to help you, comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is willing to aid you. He will carry you through. Verse 3. To him that o'ercometh, God giveth a crown. Through faith we shall conquer, though often cast down. He who is our Savior, our strength will renew. Look ever to Jesus, he will carry you through. Ask the Savior to help you, comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is willing to aid you, he will carry you through. All right, let's start with a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Lord, there are times that I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Lord, I... I struggle and I'm discouraged and I'm disappointed, but Lord, you always send little love notes my way to remind me how much you love me and how much you want to take care of me. And so Lord, today I thank you for those things. I thank you for your love notes. I thank you for how you take care of me. And Lord, I thank you for these folks here today, Lord, who have made an effort to be obedient to you, follow your word and be obedient to uh, being a part of the, uh, God's family and God's house. And I just pray that you just please bless today's church service, Lord, as we honor fathers. Again, we love each father here and because in, in some ways, Lord, they are representative of what our heavenly father should be or is. And Lord, I just pray that you just please bless today's uh, message and service. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you may be seated. Happy Father's Day. How many fathers do I got in here? One? One father? Two fathers? All right. Uh, happy Father's Day. Y'all have fathers too, so praise God. Uh, I'm excited to know that the Lord, as I mentioned in my prayer, our Heavenly Father is really the example that provides for us, for us earthly fathers. Boy, it's, it's a huge example. Thank you. And uh, we're just excited that uh, you're here today. All right, turn your hymn books to page number 356. I Must Tell Jesus, page number 356. 
just tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for his own. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear these burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Verse number two. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. He is a kind, compassionate friend. If I but ask him, he will deliver. Make of my troubles quickly an end. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Verse number, we're on three or four. This is a good song. Listen to these words. Boy, I can just get so drawn into it because it really has a great message. Verse number three. Tempted and tried, I need a great Savior, one who can help my burdens to bear. Just tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, he all my cares and sorrows will share. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Oh, how the world to evil allures me. Oh, how my heart is tempted to sin. I must tell Jesus, and he will help me over the world, the victory to win. Amen. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. Amen. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Amen. Thank you for your good singing today. Again, it's Father's Day. I got I got a little card here. Who gave me this one? Is this from Adeline? This is from Brooklyn and Chloe and Adeline. Well, thank you, girls. I sure appreciate it. Got a little card here from my girls. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, girls. It is Father's Day. Again, we rejoice with you and your fathers, uh, but we want to celebrate that. We do have some gifts, uh, so is it in the back? All right, Chloe, you go ahead and if you're a father here today, just raise your hand real quick. We'll give you a, a little gift. All right, got a couple fathers. I forgot. Didn't he see, see you there, brother? I saw Wyatt. I even said hi to you this morning. How about that? Here you go, brother. All right. Uh, but we just want to thank you, fathers, for coming and be a part of our services today. Again, we have some announcements. Don't forget, uh, tonight at the evening service, we're going to meet up with First Baptist of Burbank uh, there in Burbank, uh, Illinois. It's about five minutes from, ten minutes from here, 15 minutes of here. I think somewhere around there. So if you'd like to be a part of that, please come and talk to us. That'll be our Sunday evening service tonight. 
And then June 30th is our uh, pa- at the Patriots Parade at 7 p.m. Uh, and now, if you'd like to be a part of that, this is for our Vacation Bible School program. Uh, we do have uh, some good times. We've got a float that we're going. Uh, we have a trailer that we've made up, and it's going to have all kinds of things out there just to be an outreach in the community. So I encourage you, if you'd like to be a part of that float, please get a hold of uh, me, Cassie, or Sister Lene. And then July 4th is our food fellowship at my house. I'd like you to come out and be a part of that. Uh, any, everybody's invited, but I just ask you to do me a favor and sign up in the sign-up sheet in the back uh, so that we can have a count of how many people are coming. And then August 5th and 6th is the Men's Advance, which is at Sockville, uh, Sock Trail Baptist Church in Richmond Park. The cost there is $40. You can register by July 15th. If you need to, sign up in the foyer and then uh, talk to Sister Cassie and she'll get you set up. And then lastly, August 15th through the 19th is our Vacation Bible School program. We're excited for that. That's from 9 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Now, we're going to need some people to kind of give out some some flyers. Uh, So if you'd like to, we do have signs. We forgot the feet for them, so we have to order the feet for the signs. But if you did order a sign for your front yard, please let us know. We'll get it to you as quickly as we get the the stand feet or the feet stands. There we go. Um, But we want to make sure that we get as much... uh, Uh, publicity out there for people to come to be part of Vacation Bible School uh, coming up here soon. All right, that's it as far as announcements are concerned. Does anybody have a birthday or anniversary they weren't able to tell us about? Anybody? Birthday or anniversary? Wyatt? You got to come up here, brother. You missed last week. We got to sing happy birthday to you. It's amazing. Brother Wyatt and Sister... Sister uh, uh, Susie, they're going to be taking off here soon and heading down to New Mexico. And so we're just uh, thankful for them, the time that we got to spend with them. Uh, but we're going to sing happy birthday. How old are you, brother? 29 years old. That, that's unbelievable. All right, well, let's sing happy birthday to Brother Wyatt. Congratulations, brother. We're happy for you. Well, continue to pray for those folks as they have a new journey ahead of them, and that's always exciting. I remember when I was a young boy, and we had to go from uh, central Illinois up to northwest Indiana when my dad went to Bible college. Boy, that was such a change of events. And then even when we went from Michigan, my dad was an assistant pastor, and coming to Chicago, that was even more crazier. Um, But either way... Pray for them as they head down to New Mexico. All right, one more song before the morning message. Turn your hymn books to page number one. Do I have a special today? Do I have a special today? Is she here? All right. Turn your hymn books to page number 173. Let's stand together as we sing. 173. Love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. 
Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, oh, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. All my heart to him I give, ever to him I'll swing. In his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits my soul best song. Faithful, loving service due to him belong. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Oh, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Verse number two. All my heart to him I give, ever to him I'll cling. In his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits my soul's best song. Faithful, loving service due to him belongs. Sing it out now, ready? Love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, oh, love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Souls, oh, this is it? Man, I tell you what, I just got so involved in the song. I want to sing it one more time. You may be seated. Thank you so much. All right. If you're part of Sister Linnea's Sunday School class, go ahead and go downstairs with her. All right, since it is Father's Day, now, Sister uh, Andrea, you're going to like this. I know you like the study of Ruth. We're not going to leave the study of Ruth for Father's Day, so we're going to be in it. Because Boaz has the perfect illustration. Now, he wasn't a father, but he had the perfect illustration of what a father should be. Because he is just like our Heavenly Father. He is considered a type of Christ. Uh, anybody know what it means when I say a type of Christ? Anybody understand that? It's a picture, right? Uh, Joseph was a picture of uh, a type of Christ, okay? Not saying he was Christ, but he illustrated what Christ was to be. And so this is kind of some interesting aspect of it. If you're turning your Bibles to Ruth, Ruth. Now, we talked about Ruth la last week. We found some interesting things about Ruth. Uh, basically, uh, Naomi was what? What was her name mean? Anybody remember? Sunshine, rejoicing, right? Kind of a happy type of spirit. Uh, you might even call her happy if you wanted to. What did she call herself when she returned to Israel? She was Mara, right? She was bitter. What was her husband's name? His husband's name was Elimelech. And Elimelech was, his name meant what? Oh, I know, this is hard to remember. Son of the king. Son of the king, okay? And a son of the king, uh, that's pretty, our child of the king basically is what it meant. Uh, and so you had a happiness in the child of the king. Oh, that's some good names. Wouldn't you be, like, be excited to be called the child of the king? Uh, we are considered the child of the king, are we not? Uh, especially if you're saved here today. But here we find they go off into a strange land. They sojourn in Moab. And what do they find? They have two sons. One was puny and one was sick, right? Malon and Chilon. And basically both those guys were just a sickly pair. And we find that they go into Moab, and while they're in Moab, Elimelech dies. And when Elimelech dies, they marry two different ladies. One was the name of Orpah, and the other by the name of Ruth. 
And Orpah and Ruth followed their mother, and guess what? Puny and sickness died while they're in Moab. And so basically, Naomi, she decided to go back to the land of Israel. And we find from this account, this understanding of what's going on here, basically Orpah and Ruth decided they were going to follow Naomi into the land of Israel, the land of promise where God had given them so much. We find here that one of them decided not to. One of them decided to stay in Moab. Who was the one that stayed with Naomi? Ruth did. And so we find a situation. Here is a woman that basically had left the homeland that God had given her, the promised land that God had given her, to follow in a land because of a famine. Listen, it's never good to make decisions when you're not living right. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? How many times have you done something wrong and you think, well, I can fix this? And so you make a decision based on what your flesh is telling you to do. Boy, listen, don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. Get right with God first before you make that decision. God can protect you. God can give you what you need. But here we find the situation. Boy, this lady had not only lost her husband, she had lost both her sons. And now she's coming back to God's homeland empty-handed with nothing. She literally didn't even have the land. If you know anything about Jewish history, they were not supposed to have. Uh, they were supposed to sell their land, but they couldn't sell it. Uh, they would get it back every 50 years, the, the time of Jubilee. So we find in Ruth chapter 1, the whole situation there. They're coming back. And then we find in Ruth chapter 2, the introduction to the man named Boaz. Now, Boaz was an interesting fellow. Boaz definitely was a man of wealth. He had a lot of things in his hand. He was basically a man that was not only a man of wealth, but he was also a kinsman. He was family to, to Naomi. And so what does that mean? Well, we'll find out here in a second. So we start in Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to start with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you just please bless this message. Lord, I thank you for giving it to me and helping me understand it. Lord, I pray that you just bless today as we look for good fathers. And Lord, really, to be honest with you, these uh, qualities, what we look at every man, uh, even if they're not a father. I ask you, Heavenly Father, to help us live by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in Ruth chapter 2 and verse 1. We're going to start reading, and then we're going to read all the way down to verse 12. And the Bible says, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And the Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, let me, now, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap, now if you don't know what a hap is, it's by chance, uh, by uh, hap was to light, or coincidence, was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and unto the reapers, and the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servants that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? I love this. Why was there was, if you know anything about Israelite law, basically the reapers were supposed to leave little uh, uh, pieces of fruit behind. Um, it's interesting, I read this and I thought, boy, this would be great for America today. Instead of people just going straight on welfare, give them something to work for. And so basically they were supposed to glean, the, the reapers were supposed to glean those uh, and leave a little bit behind for the poor. And so basically that's what they were supposed to do. What we find here is that this damsel, there was probably many of poor people that were gleaning from that field. 
And this damsel was one of them. Out of all those people, Boaz noticed who? Ruth. And it's interesting, not only was it Ruth that was in the field, but she didn't know that that was her, kins- that her, her mother-in-law's kinsman. She didn't know his family. So we find in verse 6, and it says in the servant, we're in Ruth chapter 2, verse 6, and the servant was set over the reapers and answered and said, It is the Moabitess damsel that came back from Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now, that she tarried at a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field. Neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. And then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes? And thou shalt take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger. Boy, isn't that the example of a sinner's prayer right there? Boy, isn't that what we come to God in the same way? God, why have I found grace in your sight? It says in verse 11, And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been fully shown, it hath fully sh- been showed me all that thou hast done unto the mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. I love this verse because it really illustrates something very important. First of all, I want you to see there are about seven things. I promise I won't be long, but there are seven things. I told Cassie this morning I had seven points. I said, I don't know how I'm going to fit this all in in about 45 minutes, but we're going to try. There are seven things that Boaz was, and I want you to take these. First of all, I want you to notice something about Boaz. Boaz was a man of diligence, a man of diligence. Any good father will tell you this. They are going to be a diligent person. Listen, you can be a father. It doesn't take much to be a father nowadays, does it? The question is, is what kind of father are you going to be? And we find here about Boaz, he was not a lazy man. It says here he had his own business, he had his own employees, and he was able to be a blessing to others because of his hard work. Listen, as a father or as a man for that matter, our goal should not be someone that is basically uh, uh, all satisfied about number one. Boy, it's very easy. The Bible tells us that a man should what? Love his wife as Christ loved the church. The Bible even goes a step further and says that a man should love his wife uh, or love his family like he loves his own self. As a Christian boy, sometimes we get to, especially men, Christian men, well, we get set up on what, what's the most important, and that is number one. Men are the most selfish individuals in this earth. Boy, mothers from day one, what do they have to do? <laughs> they got to take care of that baby. They got to they gotta birth the baby, and then they got to feed the baby. God's given them that equipment to take care of those things. Boy, women have given a, quite a bit of responsibility. They have to be selfless. I think there's a reason why we have abortion today, because many women don't want to be selfish. They want to be selfish. And so we find here, Boaz was a diligent man. Listen to me. If you have a husband, listen, that's diligent, be thankful. If you have a husband that knows how to work hard, be thankful. Why? Because God has put that in his heart. I really believe that God gave every man the ability to want to work. When a man doesn't want to work, there's something wrong with him. 
Why? Because God puts that on every man's heart. From day one, the Bible says very clearly that the reason Adam and Eve were put in the garden, Adam was what? To work by the sweat of his brow. We were created to work. As you can see here, man of diligence is what Boaz was. Not only was a man of diligence, he wasn't a lazy man, but number two, under a man of diligence, Boaz was a man of action. If you notice here, what did he do? He wasn't just sitting in some office, was he? Now, I don't get, don't get me wrong. You gentlemen that have to sit in an office, I do feel bad for you. I have never liked sitting in an office. I've always done field work. And I'll tell you this much, I, I couldn't say, I, I take that back. I did work for about three or four years at a, as a loan officer. And I told you what, I didn't like it. I enjoy being outside. There's something about it. But he was, a, he was an important person. He had a lot of responsibility. The Bible says that he came to Bethlehem to come to check on his, his field and his laborers. He was a man of action. He was with his workers doing the harvest. Every man should understand that it's not just that. Listen, I, one of the things that I learned from my daddy growing up was the fact that he was a hard worker. He didn't just work hard, but he also took me along to show me how to work. I remember as a kid, one of the things that I'd have to do was I'd have to get up and at the crack of dawn, and we would, he worked on staff at uh, Fairhaven Baptist College, and he was one of the maintenance men. I remember I'd have to get in at that time in the morning, and they would make these huge drainage dishes that they were putting in at the uh, college there. They were huge uh, uh, drainage ditches. I had to go out there, and I had to shovel sand. I had to go out there and uh, compact sand. I had to shovel dirt, and I had to do all kinds of hard labor. Why? Because Daddy was teaching me something important. You should be a man of action who's not lazy and diligent about my business. Every man should be that type of person. His action, and I believe his diligence, was what led him to Ruth. What if Boaz had decided, you know what, I'm just too tired today, I don't want to go do that. Boy, I, 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 sad state in America today when we find that men, I say men, they're acting more like boys, but men are afraid to go to work. The sad thing is, is there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, I don't have to work. Oh, my friend, that's just the wrong attitude. That's Satan. There is no very, it's very well stated in the scriptures that if a man should not work, he should not what? Eat. We should have that spirit that says in us, boy, we want to work hard. And this shouldn't just be for a man, but a woman as well. We should be people of action and diligence and, and hard workers, and even more so as Christians. It should be that when we go to work, people take notice. Why? Because we are tireless. We have the ability, because we have a supernatural God who can help us with our needs, we should be able to see, be so diligent about our business. We find about Boaz that he was a diligent man. Number two, not only do we find that Boaz was diligent, but also Boaz was a man of grace towards Ruth. Well, first thing I found about here, if you go into the verse, you find, if you go back up into verse... Um, uh, let's go up to uh, verse 6. And it says, And the servant said, the set of the reapers answered, said, It's the Moabite damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she, and she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and continued even from the morning until now, and she, she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens let thine eyes be on 
the field that they do reap, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art thirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. We find here that Boaz was a protector. He was a protector. Now listen to me. There's some one good thing I know that every daddy should be is a protection of his children. I think there's two things that every man should have, and that is, first of all, he needs to be the spiritual leader of his home, but he also needs to be the spiritual protector of his home as well. Every man should have that desire to say, you know what, I'm not going to let my kids get run over by Satan. I'm not going to let my kids have uh, Satan have first, uh, first glance at them or first dibs on them. I'm going to have the God, God of this, uh, uh, God Almighty God take care of them. Listen, there are so many of these things in this world that want to destroy your children. And listen, Mom, listen, Dad, there is no doubt that Satan knows this. He's created each and every one. And you think Hollywood was created overnight? No, it wasn't. Hollywood had all kinds of time to create and, and groom children into a certain type of uh, idea. And listen, you have to be the spiritual protector you need to make sure that you watch out that your children don't get caught up into the wrong type of ideology. Make sure your children are listening to the right type of things. I'm not saying brainwash them. I'm saying give them the good taste from the word of God. There are many people out there that are so easily allowing their children to be given over to all kinds of prey. And there are many people out there that want to change their, those children's heart towards their ideology and times their types of philosophy and listen to me if it's not the philosophy of this bible it's satan's philosophy if it's not the philosophy that god gives us it's the world's philosophy and we have a as a father boy we need to be careful that we're not allowing our children to be caught up in the wrong type of philosophies and the wrong type of doctrines listen to me there's not just spiritual doctrines but there's the doctrines of devils there's the doctrines of this world and listen the television teaches your child every single day about it the internet will teach your children all kinds of things about the doctrines of devils. Listen, not only that, but the world today will teach your children everything they need to know about sexual education. As a father, boy, you better be spiritual. You better be spiritual. Watch out for your children. I'm sad to say that I've seen too many fathers who allow their kids, and listen, dare I say, these cell phones, these smartphones, one of the worst things for kids. They get on Facebook. They got on Instagram. They get on Snapchat. You name it. Whatever is the latest. This TikTok. Whatever the latest thing is. They get on there. And listen. As a man. I'm horrified. Sometimes the things that I see. And I'm telling you. Some, some of these kids. They get on there. And they just completely consume themselves. With all of this garbage. Day in and day out. Why do you think we're raising a generation that doesn't uh, believe in God? I just I heard a poll just recently. Do you know back in 1990, or 1961, most people, almost 98% of Americans believed in God. Do you know that? Now, again, what kind of God? I don't know. You know, a recent poll, 81% of Americans now believe there is a God. I'm just saying there's a higher power. Not even Jesus Christ. Why is it like that? Because too many men and too many women have not protected their children spiritually. I think we need to be very careful what we give our children. I'm very careful with my kids. Am I perfect? No. But I do believe that there are some things I won't let my kids have. And one of those is a phone. Chloe's back there going, oh, Dad, really? 
But really the purpose of a phone is one thing that I would give to someone who I believe is not only physically but spiritually mature. Why? Because they have the access to anything they want through that. I give my kids an iPad and it's very limited what they can look at. Why? Because the devil is out there and he's real. The Bible says that he walketh about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to trash your children's mind. He wants to trash your children's hearts. You better be careful. Secondly, not only was he a protector spiritually, but I think he was a protector physically. You notice here that he said to her that she would, he would not let uh, the, the men touch her or molest her. We need to be careful with our kids. There are so many things that go on. And listen to me, it seems like every day, I don't remember hearing stories like this when I was a kid. Maybe I just didn't, wasn't paying attention. But it seems like every day I hear story after story after story of young kids being molested, and young kids being uh, touched in uh, inappropriate ways. We need to be careful. There are many people out there that have the wrong type of spirit towards children. We need to be careful and realize that we, as men especially, we need to protect our children. A couple of things that I don't allow my children to do. One of those is I don't let them spend the night over at somebody's house. I don't care who you are. You might be the most spiritual person in this church. But you know what? I love my children. And I'm not saying that you're an awful person if I tell you that you can't spend time at my, uh, uh, spend the night at your kid's house. I'm equally discriminant. I believe that God has given me that responsibility to raise their children. It's my responsibility to make sure that you're doing, that they're doing right and nothing could happen to them. Number one, not only did he protect her, but number two, he provided for her. He provided for her. We find here that he was looking uh, for, out for her. He says, hey, look, there's a place for you to glean. Every Christian man should have that desire to what? Provide for his children. The Bible says here verse in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, But if any provide not for his own, the Bible says especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. We need to understand that God has given men, he has given men the ability to work, as I said earlier. But secondly, he's given men the ability to work for their families. Man, I tell you what, there are so many society today that so many ills that come from not keeping families together. You wonder why we see the murders and we see the stealing and we see the thefts and we see all the garbage that goes down in the city of Chicago. You say, why is that? Because many years, the people that have taken our children and have said, it's okay to have welfare. Listen to me, I'm not against the safety net. But the problem is, is that women have taken the government as their daddies, as their provider. And men have taken, have abstained from that responsibility and they've given it up. And so who is providing for the women and the children today? Is it the daddies? No, the nucleus of the home has been destroyed because the government says, I'm going to step up and I'm going to give to these children. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's needed. And I'm glad that there is somewhat of a safety net for kids. And for, for uh, uh, women. But listen, if a man is capable of providing for his family, he should provide for his family. That is no doubt in my mind. As this Bible verse says in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. But if any provide not for his what? Own. There was a sensibility of them that I have a responsibility to take care of my children. An interesting thing, back in 1930s when welfare first came out, men would not go up to the to the desk to get that welfare. You know why? Because they were shamed. They were ashamed of it. 
It took a while for welfare to catch on. You know why? Because men believed in providing for their families. And I think this is a value that has been lost in a lot of society. Now, don't get me wrong. Some men work hard, and sometimes they can't find a job. And that's why I think it's good to have a nice safety net. But really, the bottom line is that the daddies take that responsibility and rise up and provide for their families. I believe Boaz understood that, and he provided for her. Number three, not only was Bo Boaz was a man of grace towards Ruth, but thirdly, I believe Boaz was a man of observation. He was a man of observation. And listen, what does it mean to be obs observational? Well, it means that you're looking around. You're not just uh, 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 lackadaisical in your uh, vigilance, but you're uh, someone who is cautious and very uh, uh, aware of things. We find in Ruth chapter 2 and verse 4, what did he say? He says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem unto the reapers, and the Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? <coughs> Turn back to Ruth chapter 2 and verse 11. We find the second thing. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knowest not heretofore. Here we find what? Ruth was literally being watched by who? Boaz. Was he watching her in a wrong way? No, he was watching her to see what kind of person she was. I use me as an illustration because uh, that's his personal experiences in my life. Uh, someone was telling me the other day that I repeat myself a lot, so I apologize. I don't mean to repeat myself. But if I, it's actually they're nodding his head. He was the one that said it, so you can get after him now if you have a problem with it. But uh, I'm just laughing. I'm just joking, Zach. But my wife, one of the things that I found, I like to watch her from afar. I remember the first people she hung, hung around. Uh, the, the things that she did. One of the things I liked about my wife before we even started dating was I'd watch her. You think she was in the snack shop parading around with a whole bunch of people? That was, snack shop was the place where the college students hung out at college. Uh, they didn't hang out there. You know? She wasn't in the uh, bookstore all the time. And if you ever found her, she was studying. She was doing the work that she had to do. And I was thankful for that. And Boy, it meant a lot to me when I saw her have that type of spirit. Boy, there were some girls at college. Boy, man, they'd go to... Uh, they, they, they were in the snack shop 24-7. They were in the bookstore 24-7. They were doing things uh, uh, that was everything besides studying and getting ready for school. And you noticed because they'd get the ones that were getting the D's and F's and the C's at school. Why? Because they were not diligent about their business. But here is Boaz. He noticed Ruth. And he not only noticed Ruth, but he also did some research about him and, or about Naomi and Ruth. He found that there was something interesting about them and that basically he knew that Ruth loved his mother, her mother-in-law. The fact is, is that not just Ruth loved her mother-in-law, but she learned to love the God that her mother-in-law worshipped. It's interesting here that her testimony meant so much to Boaz that he went out of his way to provide for her. And listen, as we as young men or men or adult, young, older adults, boy, we got to be careful that we're observant of what God wants us to do. The people we hang around, the people that we're a part of, boy, we got to be careful to make sure that we're watching. The Bible says very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are, not, they are spiritually discerned. Verse 15, 
but he that is spiritual, what? Judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. And then in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Listen, we have to be careful, as I mentioned earlier, that a father is supposed to protect his children spiritually. Boy, we got to also check, uh, protect our children from people who wouldn't want to do them wrong, no matter where they go. We need to spiritually judge them. <coughs> the Bible talks about the fruits of the Spirit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, right? Those are the fruits of the Spirit. If someone is not portraying those fruits of the Spirit, I would question if I would allow my family around them. Why? Because they're constantly going to drag my family down. Usually when there's some type of sin that's being uh, manifested, if there's those things are not there, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, listen, you'll find that there are an iceberg of problems underneath. You have to be very careful. You need to spiritually judge. Not every person that comes and says, yes, I'm saved. Yes, I'm a Christian is really a Christian. Judge them by what they do spiritually. Do they have the fruits of the Spirit? Do they walk with God? Do they, are they in church? Are they faithful to God's house? Are they willing to do the right things? Are they uh, caught up in spiritual or uh, uh, any type of wickedness? Are they caught up in the things of this world? That's the way you're going to know if, you're, if those kids are doing right. If those parents are doing right or those people are doing right. You better be careful. Every man needs to have that ability to observe. Watch who your kids are around. Watch who your wife is around. Be careful. Why? Because as a spiritual man, you need to judge what's right and what is wrong. You are the protector of your home. You need to be observant of those that are around you. Has there ever been a time where you've told someone not to hang around, one of your kids not to hang around someone else? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have to be careful with my children. There are some people out there, albeit they're not trying to be evil. They have a spirit of evil. And I have to be careful with my children. Sometimes I see things that go on. Sometimes I'm careful on who they hang around or how much time they hang around them. Why? Because I don't want them to rub off on my kids. There should be that type of spirit. Don't get me wrong. I think everybody should be loved. Should give them the type of love that Christ gives everyone. But there has to be a point where you have to say, okay, is this going to affect my kid's spiritual life? Is this going to affect my wife's spiritual life? Is it going to affect my life? This is what a spiritual man does. He's observant. Number four. Not only was Boaz a man of observation, but Boaz was also a man of giving. We find in Ruth chapter 3 and verse 15, this is right after Ruth uh, came down and, and pled for him to uh, redeem her. In verse 15, this is also, he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her, and she went into the city. And then we find in verses 14 through 17, which we've already read, it says, And Boaz said unto her at mealtime, Come how hither, and heat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in thy finger of vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. 
And let her fall also among some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out that she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. Here we find Boaz was a man that was a giver. I find it interesting before she had even came to him, he was willing to give her things. Every father needs to learn to give good things to their children. Now I'll say this. There are fathers that give their kids things all the time. I grew up in a home that we didn't have a lot of money, and many times we went without. But one of the things I learned were good things. It's not just material possessions that your children receive, but it's also what you get from them and their teaching, what you provide for them. And I'm thankful for mamas and daddies and grandmas and grandpas who take the responsibility upon themselves to teach their kids right from wrong. There is no doubt that the reason why our society is not in complete free fall and crumbling completely to the ground in, in absolute anarchy is because there are still people who are living by the Spirit of God and teaching their children right from wrong. The Bible says very clearly in Matthew chapter 7, and it says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Verse 9. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, he will give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, he will give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? <coughs> I think the importance here is to emphasize on those good gifts. What are you giving your children? What are you training them up to do? Listen, you give them video games, guess what they're going to do? They're going to play video games. You give them uh, something to learn. And boy, I'm, I'm all for learning new skills. I heard of one parent that they used to, instead of buying their kids video games, they would buy something that they were interested in. Maybe they were interested in software development. So they would give them coding books. Uh, maybe their children was interested in painting. So they'd give them tutorials on how to paint for their birthday. They would find ways to give their children an interest in good things, trades and things of that nature. You can give your kids big televisions. You can give your kids video games. You can give them all the toys in the world. Listen to me. It's not going to mean a hill of beans for their life. Do my kids have toys? Yes. Are you trying to be an ogre pastor? No. There's nothing wrong with giving them a toy. But what I'm saying is give your kids also good gifts. Give them the ability to something that's going to last them the rest of their life. Train them some things. Give them some things they can be able to do. If they like instruments, give them an instrument. Give them lessons. Buy lessons for them. If they find an interest in a different language, give them language school. Whatever is something that's a good gift. And listen to me, there's nothing more than the good gift of the Bible. You say, what kind of good gift do you get from the Bible? Well, listen to me, there's all kinds of ways to encourage your children in the Lord. Giving them a Bible is one of them, but boy, you've got so many other opportunities to give your kids things. How about spiritual journals? Give them maybe a concordance. If they're a young man, give them some things that maybe would encourage them to be a preacher someday. Your goal as a Christian is to give your child good gifts. Have I received some good gifts? I sure have. I'll be honest with you, there are a lot of gifts I also I can remember that are way gone. 
remember one specifically, I had a Fisher Price record player. I played that thing until I was probably 10 years old. I thought it was the greatest. Listen to me, it's not worth anything right now. Well, actually, it's probably worth more than I know. If I still had it, it was in mint condition. But no, it's not going to help me anymore in my, my adult life. Give your kids some things that they can be able to learn. Every father should understand that we should be men of giving, not just to our own children, but listen to me, we should be men that also give to others. When's the last time you were able to bless someone else in your church? When's the last time you were able to bless someone else at your place of work or business? Boy, it's something that we should learn to do is be a man of giving. Number five, not only was Boaz a man of giving, but Boaz was a man of integrity. And if you go to our text verse, Ruth chapter 3 and verse 11. Now this takes some explaining, so I'm going to take just a little bit of time. And I want to explain a little bit about the marriage of Jewish folk. Uh, the interesting thing is, is that, and you'll find some of these verses in Deuteronomy. Uh, you'll find the law of uh, uh, Numbers chapter, uh, you'll find this in Numbers chapter 27, verses 8 through 11. And also in Deuteronomy chapter 25 verses uh, 5 through 9 but these are the law was basically applied that every year we already kind of mentioned this that every year if they sold their property they basically didn't sell the property themselves they would sell the rights to the property so they'd be like kind of like this it's still your property but i can grow stuff on it and i can profit from the things that i grow from on your property basically is what it was they were very an agricultural society so here we find the Jews, they've come together, and every 50 years, any person that had quote-unquote sold their land, they were to be given it back in the year of Jubilee. And that included Naomi. That included also the people that were tied to that land, any kinsman that was tied to that land. And so we find here in this, uh, this reference in, Luke, in Ruth chapter 3 and verse 11, that Naomi comes up with a plan. She finds that Ruth, uh, Boaz, is obviously somewhat interested in Ruth. And so what does she do? She says, you need to go and see Boaz. And you need to lie down. When, he is, when his heart is, the Bible says, his heart is merry and, and, and he's full. He's eating and he's drinking. And his heart is merry or full of joy. You're to lay down right at his feet. Now, I don't know about you. It's just Juanita's got this like, what in the world? That sounds kind of strange. It does sound kind of strange. I can't imagine... Uh, that's how my wife would have found me, okay? Uh, I'd be like, what are you doing? And I think he did the same thing. And you find that he came, and not only was he supposed to do that, but she was supposed to uncover his feet. Now, I don't know the whole significance about that, but it was probably part of the ritual. And so here he is, here's Ruth, and she comes in, and after he'd fallen asleep, after he'd eaten well, and he's drank well, he's asleep and he's snoozing, she goes down, she uncovers his feet and lays down right at his feet. And here is this woman who is basically a Moabitess woman. Mind you, she doesn't understand all of the Levitical law. She doesn't understand all these things. But she's happy to obey her mother-in-law. And she takes on the, the aspects of the Jewish heritage that she doesn't even have any part of. And so here she is. She's laying at the feet of Boaz. And she's laying there. And I can't imagine what's going through her head at that time. She's literally thinking, what in the world am I doing? I'm laying at the uh, feet of this strange man that I have no idea. Now, if you read here, I think from at least my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, you can correct me later, but I think Boaz is a little bit of an older guy. 
He says uh, something about he, you don't marry someone that's young and rich. So obviously he was old and rich. So here she is. She's laying at the feet of this man who's older than her. She doesn't know much about him. Uh, she's just laying there obeying her mother-in-law. Now what would happen is, is if the next kinsman were to come along, Levitical law says that if a man had a brother that died, that man was to take up that woman to be his wife and raise up seed for his dead brother. Now that's a strange law, but it was all about the lineage of that person. And we'll get to this in a second why this is important. And here he is, he's, he's, she, she's put before Boaz, and Boaz is basically at, at her feet. He wakes up and he goes, whoa, what are you doing? Now a man that was not of integrity, I'll tell you this much, if he was a man that was wicked like today, a man that was, uh, uh, that was uh, uh, not of a, uh, you say, of the baser sort, he would have taken advantage of a young lady like this. But what did he do? He realized the importance of what was going on here. Did he have a relationship with her? No, he did not. He had integrity to stand up and say, I understand what you're trying to do. Now, this Boabitis woman, he might have thought, wow, this Boabitis woman, I can take advantage of her. She doesn't understand all of our law. She doesn't understand all that's going on here. I can have my way with her, but he didn't do that. He was a man that loved God. He was a man that was an integrity. The Bible says in Ruth chapter 3 and verse 11, he says, Now, my daughter, fear not. I will do thee that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am a near kinsman. Howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be the morning. That if he perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee. As the Lord liveth, lie down until morning. He had a pure mind. He had no advantage, took no advantage of this woman. But secondly, not only did he do that, part of the law had to be the next the kin. And so we find here that Boaz was literally was going to take, and this is very interesting. I don't know. I've kind of really started to enjoy some of the understanding of the Levitical law. No, you like this, Cassie. So basically, when the man was to go before the city elders, and they either, now listen to this, he either was to take up his wife. Now, this is weird. That would be like if I were to marry my sister-in-law, Christy, if my brother were to die, if she didn't have any kids. He was supposed to take it before the elders, and he had two options. Number one, he was to go before the elders and say, I will purchase her. I will, I will buy her in the sense of redeeming her. And it, or he could say, no, I'm not going to raise up my brother's seed. At that time, the elders of the city would spit in his face. And it would be a curse to him. But we find here that not only was uh, Boaz excited to do what God wanted him to do in the sense of marrying Ruth. I mean, most people would have said, whoa, they'd be a little shy of this. The Bible said very clearly that you're not supposed to marry from outside the Jewish uh, faith. You're not supposed to marry someone that's not an Israelite. Here's a Moabitess woman. If he could have had a reason to stop it, he could have done it right there. But no, he was a man of integrity. He knew that God had put him in this situation. He knew that God had put him in this place, and he did what exactly God wanted him to do. But he was a man of integrity, so what did he do? Instead of saying, well, hey, there's some great opportunity here. I could buy back the land of Naomi and earn her uh, Elimelech. But he knew there was another kinsman. What did he do? He went before him, and he says, hey, would you take on the part of, of marrying Ruth? 
Now, he could have very easily said, so I like this woman, she likes me, I think we're a good fit. I don't have to worry about this other kinsman, he has no idea. I can just go ahead and marry her. But he wanted to do exactly what the Lord had given him to do. He wasn't just going to do whatever he thought was right or he thought was important. He had the integrity to follow the law of God. And listen, every man needs to understand something that it doesn't matter what you think is right. The Israelites lived what was right in their own eyes. But listen to me, every man needs to do what, what God says is right. What does the Bible teach? Man, if we had more Christians that were concerned about what the Bible taught and what the Bible brought, boy, they would have a lot more uh, serious walk with their Heavenly Father. But because they're drawn by their own emotions, they're drawn by their own flesh, they're drawn by what they think is right, many times they go astray because they have done their own will and not God's will. Boaz had a man of integrity. He was faithful not only to not doing something to Ruth, but he was also faithful to what God's law says. Number six, not only was Boaz a man of integrity, but also Boaz was a man of redemption. This is where the type of Christ comes in. We think about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. He bought us back, did he not? He bought us back from our, from our sin, from Satan, from our flesh. Ruth was a Gentile Moabitess woman. She he had every reason not to marry Ruth. Boy, we have a, you can have a lot of reasons why you want to be mad at your wife. You can have a lot of reasons why you need to be mad at your husband. But listen to me, God has bought us back. We need to be faithful to him. We need to do what he has expected from us. Realize that we are saved Christians. And we are to do God's will, not our own. Here we find very clearly she, he had every reason not to marry Ruth. But because Boaz knew what God wanted to do, he was, able to, he was willing to sacrifice in order to marry Ruth. You think about this for a second, one of example of what Christ did for us. He had every, Christ had every reason not to forgive us, did he not? Christ is holy. Christ is right. Christ is perfect. Christ is everything that there is, and we are nothing but sinners with nothing to offer. Ruth had nothing to offer. She didn't even have the family name. She was, he was going to lose something. Didn't Christ lose something? When he died on the cross, he lost his blood for us. He shed his blood for us so that we could go to heaven. What a great example. Here we find that Boaz understood that. He understood that he would have to buy back the land and in doing so be, to be able to marry this woman named Ruth. I think the transaction... That Boaz, he was supposed to give back that money to whoever had bought it. I don't know if it was the year of Jubilee. I think it was about 10 or 20 years that they were gone. I don't know when the year of Jubilee was. But there was a good possibility he had to buy back the contract from what Elimelech had sold. What a great example of what a good man should be. Listen, there are many people out there that are so hate, hateful and have hatred. There are pastors, there's preachers, there's teachers, there's people in the church that have held hatred and bitterness towards each other. But listen to me, a good man is someone that doesn't do that. He's willing to buy back some people. He's willing to work with people. He's willing to do what God wants him to do and be faithful to his plan. I think this example that Boaz provided for us in the story of Ruth 
really is an example of how every father should be. Every father should be protective. Every father should be one that is willing not just to spiritually protect their children, but physically protect their children. Every father should be one that is providing for his family. Every father should be one that is a man of observation, always being uh, vigilant about things that are out there in the world. I think every man, every father should be a man that is a giving father of good gifts. And every man should be men of integrity. Every man should be a man of redemption. When we look at our lives, and listen, men, and I know there's, there's a few men in here. Maybe you're watching online. But listen, as we look at our lives, are we those types of men? Or instead, are we the opposite? Boy, it's something that we need to consider, don't we? Now, I wasn't preaching specifically for you ladies. It is Father's Day, but I think it's a perfect example of what women should be as well. Not that you're going to lead your homes and do the things that a man should do. But boy, you should be willing to protect your family. You should do whatever you can to help them and bring them along in the faith of Jesus Christ. You should be observant of the things. Sometimes my wife tells me things I didn't even see. You should be observant. You should be women of integrity. Not compromising on things that come along that the world says is okay. Boy, Boaz had a lot to offer for the both of us. We need to be those folks that are as a modern-day Boaz. We need to be looking for God's will today and be faithful to it. Let's go ahead and stand for the word of prayer. I'm going to have a short invitation. Cassie's going to come play. She's going to uh, play the invitation. But listen, the things that I spoke about today, I think every one of them is something. I touched on just briefly some of them. But maybe there's something in there that, kind of spoke to your heart. I don't want to go without saying there is, if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, listen, Boaz was the reason he was is because he had, he was a man of God. You cannot be a man of God until you've taken the Son, the, the one that the Father gives us, Jesus Christ. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today, I ask you, please, don't put it off. Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can be a man of integrity. You can be a woman of integrity. Heavenly Father,